Hey, do you need a UK representative, a Swiss representative or a European authorized representative for your medical device industry? Okay, so you can contact now Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Info, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com. And we'll help you for that. So talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will talk about expert panel again. So I have invited again Basil Accra to help me to understand more uh, the situation about expert panel. Why? Because we received the first opinion on the medical device under MDR. And uh, the document is really interesting to read. So you have to read that. But there is also a lot of questions that I want to ask our expert on that because, yeah, maybe this will help you also to be better. Uh, than maybe what happened with this uh, this first uh, case and that you can avoid some of the situation that uh, that we'll discuss today. So, uh, Basile, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you, Monir, for inviting me to be here today. And I'm happy to support uh, on the discussion on the clinical evaluation consultation process. I think this is a very important topic and I'm happy to see the first opinion coming out because it's giving us also the confirmation that we are talking about realistic approach in the future. And it's not anymore, let's say, an imagination, like a lot of people were talking exactly. about the clinical consultation will never happen. It is happening. And we see the first example. And it would be good to understand what we learn out of it and how we can deal with it. Great. So, uh, but before all that, before we start, I just want you to make a small introduction of yourself. Why? Because there is people that maybe don't know you and there was also some change in companies. So it's why I wanted maybe just for you to, to tell us more who you are and what we are doing exactly. Thank you, Monir. So uh, Basile Accra is my name and I'm a CEO of Accra Team at GmbH, uh, a German consultancy organization uh, where, uh, where we are serving medical device and in vitro diagnostic organization worldwide on the preparation for the MDR, IVDR, on understanding the requirement, implementing the requirement and preparing the relevant documentation. Before that, I worked also for other consultancy organization and I have been for many years working for the notified body TÜVSUD where I have been in multiple positions and uh, where I have been also part of the working groups at the European level, preparation of MEDAF guidance document, MDCG later on with the regulation and implementation of the regulation when I was at the notified body. And now I'm helping manufacturer understanding those requirements. Yeah, great. So, and uh, as I told you, so we had already Basila Crown our, I mean, on many podcasts, but we had a previous podcast episode where we talked specifically about uh, expert panel uh, before we had, if I can say, the, the finalization of this expert panel group. Uh, so um, uh, if you want, yeah, go there and just have a, have a look at what we, we discussed about uh, at that time. But um, Basil, can we make a first uh, reminder, if I can say, of people of um, what is this expert panel? Because this is something new. It was not existing before. And now we have to deal with it. So can we talk about what it is exactly? Who, who are those people that are in this uh, panel? Yes. Yeah, so uh, it is uh, looking to the European medical device regulation. Uh, in the regulation, uh, when, when we look to that uh, document, when it was published, it was clear that uh, the regulation is uh, 
including higher clinical requirement. And part of this higher clinical requirement is actually a kind of consultation, uh, uh, a more oversight on what is notified, what notified bodies are doing in Europe. And therefore, the European legislator decided to include a so-called consultation, clinical consultation process, and a scrutiny process as well. So um, what, what is that? This is not applicable for all devices. Uh, it is applicable for devices uh, which are belonging to class three implantable uh, or devices which are class two B uh, according to rule 12, which means uh, those devices which are to introduce or remove medicinal substance from the human body. Uh, the European legislator decided to have uh, higher scrutiny on those devices. They said uh, in the process, we're going to enable a voluntary consultation, which means they're going to establish a, a possibility for manufacturers to get uh, scientific advice early in the process, which is not ready yet, but it is under preparation. This voluntary consultation will allow manufacturers to get some feedback on their clinical development plan, clinical evaluation plan, and understand whether they are going on the right pathway. Uh, what they have implemented already is actually the enforced consultation, which means when a notified body is uh, uh, involved in the conformity assessment process of those class three implantable or class two B, which are to introduce or remove medicinal substance. Uh, for those devices, notified bodies cannot take a decision on their own. They need to, uh, when they finalize their assessment, to send their clinical evaluation assessment report. There is an MDCG describing what does this mean yeah. uh, to the European Commission. And the European Commission has to dedicate that to an expert panel. And you can find those experts uh, on the European Commission website, which is listing expert panel uh, of the European Commission. They are divided into 12 uh, uh, panel panels. And one of these panels is actually a scrutiny panel. Yeah. So what happened there? So when, when the European Commission received the documentation from the notified body, which include the assessment of the notified body, plus uh, the documentation of the manufacturer, which led to that assessment, the, uh, the expert panel at the European Commission, which is the scrutiny panel, decide whether an opinion shall be given or not. Their decision-making is based on the novelty and the experience with those devices, or with similar devices. And they will not give an opinion for every single submission. They will give an opinion for submission which fulfills uh, the requirements which are listed in the recommendation of the European Commission on that. And uh, then uh, uh, the notified body will get an opinion within a period of 60 days as defined uh, in the European uh, regulation. If they do not want to provide an opinion, they have to tell the notified body in 21 days that this will not happen. Now, when the notified body received the opinion, they need time to take that into consideration, which means that the notified bodies need to follow that uh, recommendation. It's not to just uh, a funny feedback. It's much more uh, a legal feedback that notified bodies need to consider. If they do not consider that, they need to, uh, to publish this uh, uh, via Udamed in the future because they need to justify whether they followed or didn't follow this opinion okay. and what is their justification. Over Udamed, it will be transparent in the future. We don't have it at this moment, but it will be uh, visible in the future under Udamed system. Um, what, is, what, is, what is important there? Uh, you ask me, who are those experts? Those yeah. experts are European professional citizens who applied to be part of that expert panel. So everyone who is a European citizen who has a professional background 
meeting the expectation and the requirement for being an expert at the expert panel can apply. You can find a list of experts per dedicated panel listed on the European Commission website. So you can see also this, uh, the, the background of those people and understand who could be dealing with your product. Exactly. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I will post all those information on the show notes, uh, where you can see, as 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 Basil said, all the groups with all the people, the names, uh, etc. So it's really transparent, and uh, you will have also um, inside uh, the the chapters related to each opinion that was provided and all the information about it, etc. Et so uh, as you said, but I didn't know about the Udamed. I I didn't know that they have to go to Udamed then to justify when there is uh, no when they don't take into account an opinion or, or, or whatever, which is as you said great because then we have some some kind of transparency um just one additional point is about the fact that this is not dedicated to mdr this is also dedicated to ivdr so when ivdr will be i mean is it the same groups here or some expert that will be used for ivdr or they will create another page with ivdr experts so when you look to the panelists there is one one panel is for ivd which is related to in vitro diagnostic devices so uh, they will they will involve dedicated experts in this field so there are also specific devices in ivd which is not a clinical evaluation consultation process but it's a performance evaluation consultation process where ivds will be involved exactly um, uh, at this moment we have the initial experience with the mdr but i think everything that we are learning from the mdr should be considered for the ivdr because the regulation on themselves, they are uh, comparable to each other. And we are talking about a different device group, but it is actually, uh, from a process perspective, uh, similar. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you, you see, uh, when you look at the MDR and IVDR, the chapters are nearly the same. There is a lot of things that are common. There is something that are uh, different, but mainly uh, they, they, they use the same platform for that. Um, okay, so uh, now that we have, if I can say, a better understanding of those panels or how it's working, uh, as I said, we had the publication uh, this week of the uh, first opinion. Um, so it's like a celebration. We have the first one and everybody was scrutinizing what is written inside, what, what, what is the conclusion. And I wanted really to talk about uh, that because as it's the first one and as we had this episode about expert panel to just have a comment on, on this. Uh, just as an information, so um, this uh, the dossier was submitted on the 11th of April, 2021, and the decision was provided on the 11th of May, uh, 20, uh, yeah, 21st of April 2021 and decision on 11th of May 2021. So less than one month, so which is meeting the 60 days that you were mentioning. And this is made on a class three implantable device. So all the data are public. It's not like there is any confidential information here. We know on the website who are the notified bodies, uh, who is the notified body. We know on the documents who, which product and which manufacturer we are talking about. So it's not like we are kind of uh, disclosing any <laughs> confidential information. Um, but what I wanted is mainly that we discuss about the content of this review, because when you read it, it's really interesting to see how it's structured, how it's working. And, and we discuss about that also about the wording, how people are writing that um, in, in terms of their words. It's not like uh, uh, some, some, something that is uh, um, good for, I mean, uh, <laughs> we can argue on that. Each word, we can argue ourselves to say that. So um, what is your first surprising points or opinion about this document? So was there anything you say, oh, I didn't know about that, or it's surprising for me? Yeah, so uh, the first thing that when I when I read the document, so you can assume based on my previous experience and my involvement at the European level, the first thing that I did is I took that document to see what, what can we expect from the experts yeah. that are writing this document. So I got the first confirmation 
the person who is writing this document is not a regulatory uh, person, is much more a professional uh, uh, expert who is delivering his personal or let's say uh, his uh, opinion on, on the documentation by looking to the evidence that were provided by the manufacturer. And well, opinion- Just one thing, one thing, it's one person who wrote that or it's a group of people? We don't, we don't know this because we can't see out of the document who is behind it. Uh, I mean, an expert panel opinion is for sure not based on, on uh, one single person. So uh, the, the process at the European level should be with actually co-review, but we don't have it now. I, at least from my reading, I didn't see uh, who yeah. is the group behind that. So it's, there is no uh, uh, direction that you can say there were like one, two, three, four, five people behind it. But I assume that there was, since it's a panel, uh, that uh, one or uh, person probably created this document and uh, there was a release which was with involvement of at least a second person to be able to say it was an expert's yeah. opinion and not just one single person expert okay. opinion. What is interesting for me and what was surprising for me is like I said first, is it's showing that this is professional user, not a regulatory professional. It's much more professional user uh, of such devices, perhaps, who, who wrote such uh, feedback. But what is surprising is the usage of the wording, regulatory wording, which are not consistent with what we have defined in the regulation. So, for example, indication for use intended purpose are yeah. uh, uh, used in a way which is misleading. So I highly recommend that uh, the European legislator create a, a similar document Uh, as it was created for the notified bodies uh, in a clinical evaluation assessment uh, uh, report format, ensuring that the expert panel use a comparable wording, as well as the notified body should be consistent there. So I'm not sure what the notified body delivered to them. So what would be very helpful for us as, as for transparency reason is to understand what is actually the clinical evaluation assessment report of the notified body. Uh, okay. In the future, they will be uploaded to UDAMED, but they will not be transparent. The only transparent part is the decision-making. So based on that, you don't know what the notified body has delivered. You know just what the expert panel decided, which is uh, to some extent helpful, but it is challenging the notified body opinion and uh, the, uh, the documentation of the manufacturer and coming to a different conclusion. For us, from a public point of view, when we look to this, we, we just need to, to rely on that document, which is actually summarizing the view. But to which extent is this view reflecting really the, the assessment of notified body and the, uh, the evaluation of the manufacturer, we don't know. Okay. Um, I think what we can learn out of it is, is what I have been saying personally from a clinical point of view over the years for a lot of manufacturers. Uh, The MDR is expecting us to be specific, specific on what we claim, on what we say in the intended purpose, and on what we say in the indication and patient population and so on. This document re, uh, uh, reinforced that because it showed us that they want to have data for every intended purpose, for every indication, which are subject device data to support actually getting that device uh, uh, approved in Europe. So this is actually the main message that we are getting out of this document. The challenging point which I, I see is, since we don't know what the notified body has done and what was their justification, uh, that this document is challenging the opinion of the notified body expert because yeah. uh, they are coming to a conclusion to say, your conclusion that the indication are supported by evidence, we can't follow because we see supportive evidence for a niche of indication, but not for everything that you are claiming. 
And since they are misusing indication and intended purpose, I'm not sure what they are referring to. Is it the intended purpose? Is it the indication? Is it the patient population? So it's not really clear what is actually the missing part of the puzzle. But I assume that the notified body got the clarity because they have the ability as well to invite the notified body and to discuss with them about their decision making. I don't know if this happened or not. Uh, now, from that perspective, I can say the document is actually on itself uh, just a summary document of what led to that decision. But what I miss is actually uh, the, the data that they say they are not supportive. So to challenge the data, they summarize some of the information but they didn't give us really the reason in a scientifically valid way, which we can say from a public point of view, yes, we understand it. And uh, the final point, which I miss in the, uh, um, in the whole uh, point is actually typically manufacturers. When I was at the notified body, when I was training people on a clinical requirement in Europe, I was always saying, uh, you never look to a clinical evaluation alone. You look to a clinical evaluation uh, as piece of the big uh, picture. And the big picture include actually what you are claiming, uh, what is the output of your risk management, what is the clinical evaluation, which includes preclinical bench and so on, what are the current clinical data, and what is your post-market surveillance and post-market clinical follow-up plan. And this package allow you to decide whether the device is safe, performing well, and delivering the clinical benefit as uh, defined by the manufacturer, as defined by state-of-the-art for that indication, for that intended purpose. Um, but we don't see this now written somewhere. It is mentioning that the PMCF is not uh, well-planned, yeah. but we don't know what is planned. So all of these things are actually missing puzzle parts, which we don't know. Uh, we, we just got the feedback. It is not recommended to certify that device with that uh, a broad indication, let's say it in that way. Exactly, and and when you read that, yeah, you 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 read it on on the way that you said it mainly that it's not sufficient. Uh, we need more data, etc. And as you said, we have no no, we don't have the raw data. What I have done myself when I when I I read this document, uh, I went to try to find some clinical data for this product. I find that they have initiated a clinical investigation that started in 2017. Uh, that was closed in September 2020, so it's public also. It's on the clinical uh, website, uh, clinical Gov website. Um, and when I read now this opinion, I say, okay, I have we have this opinion. It's an opinion that should be provided to the notified body, and then provided to the manufacturer. So what is now, what do you think will be like the conclusion first for notified body who has been challenged? It's not like the notified body will receive that and be happy. It's like, Okay, guys, they, they, are, they, are, they are thinking that we have not done a good job if I can say, in terms of that. And then receiving to the, that to the manufacturer, we say, oh, I invested a clinical investigation on that. Many years, I recruited patients, I made my test, I made all those things. So what is the next step for me looking at that? So what is your thinking or what are the options now for manufacturers and notified body out of this document? Uh, let me take a step back, Monir, to tell you something which is actually the biggest problem in Europe, the European system. The biggest problem in the European system is that manufacturer, manufacturers are alone in their clinical development activities. So uh, 
in Europe, we don't have a pre-submission meeting with, yeah. with European notified bodies. It's even now with the medical device regulation, it's not even allowed. They plan to have a clinical expert delivering voluntary consultation in, uh, in the future, which allow you to understand what are the minimum expectation on, on clinical evidence for such a device. But we don't have it at this moment. So this manufacturer did his best, to his best knowledge, prepared the clinical study. Now, um, the problem what, what happens in, in a lot of these strategies, uh, um, if you do a clinical study, you can do a clinical study for one pur purpose, but you don't consider what your marketing is looking for. You don't yeah. consider what your management is looking for. So I think what this, uh, that you have a clinical study, it's not answering anything because a clinical study could be also of good or bad quality, could be of good or bad quantity, could be uh, relevant or not relevant even. So uh, important is to understand, do I have uh, clinical data supporting uh, uh, quantitatively, qualitatively, and uh, uh, they are relevant to address everything that I want to claim for my device? If I have it, then I'm on the safe side. But I need to have that. And uh, most of the manufacturers need to challenge their data and appraise their data uh, before they come to the notified body. Now, you say, uh, now this manufacturer, let's, let's assume this manufacturer did the best job ever and got all the data. I don't want to challenge the manufacturer. I don't yeah. want to go to that details because I don't know the documentation and I Me can't too, yeah. put any, any comment on that. I can say they did their best. Now, they go to the notified body. The notified body may come to a conclusion which is positive because this is how they went to the expert panel because they took a positive decision. Now, we need to consider one aspect, which is normal in, in scientific world. If you go today, you feel bad. You go to a medical uh, doctor, a physician, and you ask, what is happening with me? The first one going to tell you, you are actually okay. You are just like, it's, a, it's, a, it's your mental uh, behavior at this moment that you, you feel not good. So nothing is, is, is bad with you. You go to the next one. He will uh, put you on the next operation room because he said you need to get like an implant. You go to the third one. He will tell you, uh, you have one week and you will die. Uh, this is actually uh, an opinion of a physician, uh, an opinion of an expert, and they could differ from one to the next one. This is why even in Europe, uh, you don't go to one single physician. You take two opinions if there is a critical uh, indication where you are getting like a feedback on how to be treated. The same thing will happen with the review. You ask uh, uh, the same question to, to 10 experts, uh, you will get 100 answers. Yeah. So uh, this, this we should not completely disregard. So I don't think that the notified body did a bad job. I think they did the job in their view based on the requirement to their best knowledge, and they delivered this uh, clinical evaluation assessment report to the expert panel, and the expert panel challenged that. Uh, uh, the point which should happen in between is to understand whether the expert panel and the notified bodies, they had an ability to discuss and agree on what is wrong. So this is important. And uh, this is why I said the transparency part would be helpful for us also from a public point of view to understand why the decision of the notified body was not accepted. It could be that the notified body didn't justify accordingly, didn't summarize why they came to that decision. It could be, but as well, that the manufacturer didn't have the data and the notified body assumed that this is okay, but it is not okay because from a scientific point of view, it doesn't make sense. I think those are criteria which we need to consider through the whole process. So coming to back to your point, which is saying they have a clinical study, we need to look to 
how this study was used to address the question. And if you look to the summary, they say that the study was used for that specific indication, but actually they, they widen the, the claims and the indication by using scientific literature. And then we need to look to those literature to see if they are transferable to that device and based on which justification. And now I come to the connection to PMCF. So if you connect it to a PMCF and you have a good justification, it might be a possibility. And I'm saying it might because it depends how good is this justification that I delivered to the notified body and the expert panel. So it's, it's, when, when I hear you, it's like, um, it's not the fault of anyone, if I can say. It's like, as you've said, uh, we are humans, so anyone can make one decision or another. We have just to discuss and have a good communication together on knowing exactly where, where we are going. It's not like one is fighting with the other. We have really to work together for that. Um, but as, as you've said, so now the notified body is receiving this opinion. Uh, they have the choice, as you've said, to take it and then make some decision out of it and give some action plan or tell the manufacturer to have some action plan, or they can ignore it and with a justification. So is it something that you think it's really an option? No, I don't think that notified body is going to ignore. They, they can't ignore it. They have to consider it, but they can consider it and say, we, 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 we decide differently and this is our justification. Uh, but uh, they can't ignore it. So it is, they got this opinion back. They need to consider it in their assessment process. And they need to come to a conclusion. And so uh, they, they may uh, decide, for example, to say, OK, we agreed with, with uh, the manufacturer that they limit their indication to this part and everything else will be canceled. Then they are actually in line with the opinion because they accept it uh, as a, the adoption. And then they can make it publicly over UDAMAT to the expert panel to say, we took the order decision, we follow it, and we requested a, a limitation and the updated IFU to be, let's say, limiting to that specific indication. They can say, uh, uh, we, we disagree, and this is our justification. I don't believe that any notified body will do that because uh, uh, taking that opinion into consideration, what is written inside it, it's not just telling them uh, uh, we disagree on this and this point uh, and the notified body may scientifically justify that because they tell you your data are not there. So uh, yeah. this is a clear message, which is uh, which will not allow the notified body to, to let's say, uh, overrule the expert panel opinion. And I don't think that any notified body will do such an overruling. So um, in terms of uh, the, the, the following step now, as, as we said, so they have to correct that and do uh, that. What can we get out from this first opinion, opinion uh, from this first document um, that we can maybe learn from it and avoid to do some the same mistake or to do the, to go i mean not it's i will not call it mistake it's more like there is some gaps here that has to be filled so how can we fill those gaps and for future maybe um people that will go through that process maybe for the listeners that are in the in the way to go to that process what they should be careful on what they should be doing if i can say to avoid that also i think the most important point which is uh, uh, here confirmed first of all don't claim anything which is not supported by evidence. So if you want to prepare to get a submission uh, uh, through the process in a lean way, look to your clinical evidence uh, by looking to every single indication for every single population to make sure that if you don't have data, you have a scientific valid justification to support transferability of the data from one uh, indication to the next one. If you don't have it, make, be, be uh, really careful and very specific. 
The other important point is don't look just on what you are including in your CR. Look to what you are including in your CR and what, how are you addressing the expected lifetime of the device? Uh, because the expected lifetime is one of the requirements of the MDR as well with regard to post-market clinical follow-up activities, which are listed in Annex 14 Part B, which is telling you you don't have to look on, on a close part of the device, which is actually just the pre-market. You need to look to the post-market. And I think what we can learn out of it uh, is also important. Don't believe on your strategy alone. Let someone scrutinize that before you go to the notified body. Notified bodies are not allowed to consult you. They can't tell you what is right, what is wrong. They will take the submission and review it to their best knowledge based on their competence, uh, which, uh, to which they are designated and notified. Uh, but they are also under a challenge. So they are also under an additional scrutiny. Uh, and here, it's a good example where we see that the notified body may have decided to certify the device. And there is a policeman telling you, stop, you are not allowed to certify it because of this and that. And uh, this is, and not every device will go through this process. So if this device was already MDD certified and there is no, let's say, uh, uh, changes uh, that were implemented uh, that would may put the device on the requirement to go through consultation, it will go through the notified body alone. But this device is a device which is going through this consultation and it got to stop. Uh, now, the question is, uh, what can we learn out of it? Uh, be careful with your documentation, prepare, it, uh, prepare your strategy by considering the lifetime of the device and talk to the right expert early in the process to challenge your strategy, to understand your risk and to understand uh, whether you're going to be successful through the holistic process and not just with the notified body. Yeah, um, I heard more and more um, some stories about uh, notified bodies that were reviewing some clinical evaluation uh, the previous year under MDD. Everything was fine. It was good. We moved forward. And then when we arrived under NDR, it was like, oh, there is a lot of issues, a lot of mistakes, a lot of things, a lot of that. I even made a cartoon of that just to make a, a bit people laugh because the, the guidance is the same. The MedDev is the same. So it's just like... Now we are enforcing some of the rules that we should have enforced before. And there is this kind of gap and there is this kind of thing that can happen. So um, mainly when we hear this story about the expert panel that made this decision, we can understand now that the, the, the notified body will, have a, will raise the bar, if I can say, for you to, to be able to pass because they know that if if they pass you, but they don't pass the expert panel, it will be also a problem for them. So it's mainly the, the, the idea here where we say notified body will be a bit more tough with you, but you have to understand why. Yeah, I mean, uh, going to your point, which you mentioned uh, MDD versus MDR or active implantable medical device selective versus MDR, they are not the same. The, uh, the MDD IMDD, they were allowing still equivalency to some extent, which is uh, for, especially for class three and implantable devices is not anymore that possibility under the medical device regulation. Yeah. And uh, um, if manufacturer was doing the job accordingly under directives and they have their own data, they are safe to go to the MDR. But if you have no data and you are comparing apples with oranges, then you are in trouble. And uh, the, the fact that you need to be specific on the intended purpose indication was actually much more uh, enforced with the MEDAF 2.7.1 revision four. At that time, I remember a, a number of complaints of people saying, hey, this device was approved for many years under MDD. Now we are getting limitation on indication. With the MDR, uh, I say uh, we are now uh, uh, acting according to the rules because the rules were already there, like you said. Yeah. 
but they were not 100% understood and followed. And now exactly. the MDR is an enforcement of the requirement on the clinical side. Now, uh, we don't need to blame the system. The system is actually already there and uh, it's black on white and uh, we need to make use of it in a reasonable way. And I think notified bodies as well as regulators want to make sure that uh, there is uh, uh, devices which are supported by evidence can get to the market. And here we need to be very careful and sensitive that we don't put all of them in one single box. So we need to take care that not every device would need to have a clinical study and not every device would need to have clinical data. So because some devices may be based on performance data. And this kind of understanding need to be established across the various, uh, let's say, stakeholders to make sure that the right pathway is taken. And uh, so in general, I think... Uh, the MDR on itself, it's not a surprise anymore. I mean, we have been knowing that since many years now, yeah. but uh, this opinion shared with us actually nothing else than a confirmation that it is reality and not anymore uh, a potential future. No, I think it's, it's exactly that. I mean, as you've said, we talked about that since many years now. Uh, we had a lot of podcast episodes on clinical evaluation. We had one with you on sufficient clinical data, etc. Yeah. So, so we try to alert uh, a lot. And, and now, as you said, it's reality. So which is, uh, I think, yeah, we have now to, to, yeah. to take it and to, uh, to uh, play within those new rules that we have reserved. And then, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the game. Um, in terms of that, so I think, yeah, we have now enough information to, uh, I hope for people to, if I can say, move to the next step. Uh, how can you help, if I can say, those organizations that are maybe in this situation or maybe that received a, a bad opinion and say, okay, I need to correct that. Can I, can I hire somebody? So can you help them? I mean, what, what we are uh, doing and helping manufacturers is actually reviewing their clinical evaluation or their clinical uh, development plan, even clinical evaluation plan, and telling them uh, what are the risks associated with what they are planning. And we can highlight things like that, like the identification of the expert panel early in the process. Now, we need to get the buy-in of the manufacturer because some manufacturer may say, even if you tell them, we would like to proceed even so because we decided on the strategy. But we can tell them this early in the process. We can identify them because uh, the expectation uh, of, the of the regulation are clear with regard to what kind of data would be necessary. And this kind of help we are delivering to customers and uh, we are happy to support any further requests on that. Also right. for this manufacturer who is now uh, uh, impacted, uh, we, we are happy to review actually the kind of data that they have delivered to the expert panel and to tell them where are actually the missing parts or what are the justification which were not reasonably provided to the expert panel to get to a different conclusion. So this is a, a, a service levels that we are delivering to the various manufacturers. So if you are the manufacturer that we are, we are talking about today, so contact Basil Accra and he can help you for, uh, for solving your issue. I'm sure it will, it will be great. So uh, where people can follow up with you, uh, what is your website again? It's uh, www.akrateam.com and you will find all relevant information on that website. And uh, there is also a possibility to contact us directly over the website. There is a contact link. 
Great. And uh, I will put also all those links uh, on the show notes so that people can uh, directly contact you uh, if there is any any project like that. Okay. So um, I think, yeah, I hope it was really helpful for everybody. So uh, we, we try to be quick because we wrote this opinion and I contacted you so that we can have really this discussion and, and try to help. So I hope this will be helpful for everybody. So uh, if you are really uh, liking what we are doing today, so don't hesitate to go to the show notes and also to uh, place a comment to, to have uh, also a like on the, on the YouTube channel. And if you have any any question don't hesitate also to contact me at info at easymedicaldevice.com okay basil so really it was a pleasure to have you and uh, i wish you a nice day thank you monia thanks for listening so if you like this episode please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it and also don't forget to share it with your colleagues thank you very much